We've got a lot of Bible jumping to do today. We got our fingers ready? Do not lick the finger of your neighbor. Let them lick their own finger. So last week, what we did is we talked about Jesus and the certainty of Scripture in which we have been given of who Jesus is. And that is important to understand who Jesus is if we're going to follow him. Because he is worthy of being followed. He is worthy of being prayed to, just like what Dan did. We prayed in his authority. He's worthy of that. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue on in our um, discipleship series. Um, And we're going to answer this question. Where does discipleship begin? Where does discipleship begin? And I think that this is important for us um, because I think a lot of people, they, they, they want to um, do disciples or discipleship and they want to be disciples, but they're caught in this, this mud of like, where, does it, where do I begin with this? What, what happens? Where does this process begin? So what we're going to do is we're going to start with um, a, a definition of what a disciple of Jesus Christ is. Some of you are thinking, well, wait a second, a few weeks ago we talked about what a disciple is and went through the Bible. Yeah, we talked about a generic term of disciple. Today we're going specific. We're narrowing down, honing in, focusing in on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But before we get there, I think that we need to understand the necessity of a definition. Because what a definition does in and of itself is their power with inside of a definition Anybody? No? Right? There, there, there's no power with inside of a definition. Definition are just words arranged in order, right? But it's what those words arranged in order, they, they, they signify or, or they symbolize. What we've done here at, at, at our church at LifePoint is that we have um, defined and, and, and labeled a definition to the gospel, when we talk about, when, I appear, when I'm up here and say the gospel, we can automatically, because of what we've been taught, kind of go through our, our mental Rolodex and we can uh, understand that the gospel, when we're talking about the gospel, it means the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. Now, can the gospel uh, be expounded? Yeah, the, the gospel can be expounded to endless depths, Right? But what we need to understand is when we have these definitions, they're there for a purpose so we can better understand what it is that we're talking about. I know me, and I'm sure most of you don't like to talk about things you don't know what you're talking about, unless you just like to hear yourself talk, right? Don't be point fingers. So... <laughs> But that definition of when we say the gospel, the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity, what we can do is we can see that as a definition, but that's also an invitation. Because when you're sharing the gospel, you're inviting them to understand what it means. And I I think that 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 clarity that that definitions give, they're paramount. I mean, especially when we are faced with our daily lives, especially when we're faced with opposition. When, when, when the devil is trying to oppress us, is attacking us, we need to know the ammunition that's in our gun, right? If we're going to fight back, that's where I, I, I fully believe, and maybe it's 
I'm just trying to, to impress my type A-edness on you, whatever. God's gifted us all different, right? But maybe it's just I'm trying to impress on you, but, but what I want to do is what I've been I, you know, taught in the Marine Corps. And those of you that are in the service understand this. Well, in the Marine Corps at least. Um, <laughs> playing, playing, chief. Uh, so... <laughs> But what we need to understand is, is, is you're, you're taught things over and over and over and over and over and over again, the same thing over again until you're ready to vomit it out for what reason? What, what Bobby? Muscle memory, right. So you, you know, like, in the heat of a battle, in the heat of a situation, you just do it, right? You don't have to think about doing it. You just do it. And I believe that this is where definitions come in, because if we understand and we have these definitions that are clear, that are biblical, I mean, and they're godly definitions, they're theologically correct. If we have these definitions, when we're faced with things, we know how to respond. And when we know how to respond, that gives us a lot of ammunition, and that doesn't mean that we beat people over the head with it. What it means is we know how to act then. We can have, we, we can have that and be confident in what it is that we're saying. So when, when I am putting this together, um, it, it, it's, it's understanding that the, the, the definition is for, for clarity and it's for focus. Because if, if, we're, if we're not all on the same page, you know, crazy things can happen. And one of, the, one of the crazy things that could happen if we're not on the same page is we could be wrestling against each other, right? So... Let me tell you a little story about a man named Jed. Poor Mountaineer. No, that's wrong one. Um, let me tell you a little story about two guys, all right? Uh, I won't give them any names, but um, uh, Matt and Ogre, but and no, no relation or whatnot. Um, no, two guys. So th- this one guy, one strange man, probably Ogre, but um, one, <laughs> walking down the street. As he's walking down the street, he sees another <laughs> kind of strange guy, um, He's, he's wrestling with the, 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 this uh, washing machine in his, uh, in his doorway. Well, the, the, the strange guy over, uh, comes up to the other strange, or little kind of strange guy, Matt, and says, here, let me help you. So Ogre's helping Matt, and they're, now they're in this doorway, and you're, you're getting the picture. Two pretty big guys, right? Um, in this doorway with this washing machine, and they're just like not getting anywhere. And after about a minute or so of struggle, Matt says, wait, 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 wait. Hey, thanks for your help, but I mean, like, we're not getting anywhere. And Matt says, I'm never going to get this thing out of here, you know, doing this. And Ogre says, oh, you wanted it out. He was trying to put it in, and one was trying to put it out. So clarity is key, Right. Being on the same page is important. And I think that when we see this and we have definitions, we can do this. Because I, I'm, I am 100% positive that, that God has called our church to be a disciple-making church. So what we need to do is we need to be joining forces together on the same path, on the same focus. And we know what we're accomplishing. So this definition is not only a definition, it's an invitation. So if you have your little leaflet... Do you have any extra leaflets here? The Life Point leaflet. We need to put that up on top. Yeah. But we're not giving him any royalties for. Oh. Yeah. 
If you have your uh, LifePoint leaflet, you'll see a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's two blanks underneath there. I've already given you those two. Definition and invitation. But there's four other blanks that we're going to talk about today. And in those blanks, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of open this up and we're going to have a deeper clarity of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So, first blank there. A believer, that's your first word, of Jesus Christ. So when we're starting out with understanding what a disciple is, and we ask the question, like, where does discipleship begin? Where does this, this, this whole process begin? It begins, it starts with a believer in Jesus Christ. You cannot disciple someone who is not a believer in Jesus Christ. You do what? Evangelize someone who's not a believer. But, and we talked about this in Sunday school this morning, but evangelism stops with that individual when they make that decision to follow Christ. And when they make that decision to follow Christ, that's when discipleship begins. Now, when we um, make this decision or, and we, we become a believer in Jesus Christ, this is something that, that is a, a time and place. And some people are like, well, I know exactly when it happened, where I was and everything. That's great. Some people were like raised in the church and they, they, they were um, kind of, uh, they, they just, they kind of believed all along and they, they made a decision somewhere at some church camp or something. They can't really tell you exactly which oak tree that they were sitting under or whatever, but nonetheless, they are, they've made that, that transition from death to life and they are a believer now. So it doesn't matter if you know exactly when it happened or if you're kind of vague on it, what we need to understand is a believer is someone who believes, right? Like a catcher catches, a punter punts, a cooker cooks. That's a chef, sorry. Um, but what we need to understand is there is something that takes place. And why am I highlighting this? Because I think that there's a lot of people who know about Jesus. But there's not as many who believe in him. Now, when I say belief, let, let, let's get this understanding of what the, the, the biblical term of belief means. Because I, I, I know that, that uh, you know, Gabe can, can um, believe in the boogie monster, but doesn't, just because he believes in the boogie monster doesn't mean that the boogie monster is real, right? Belief goes beyond just believing something is real. Belief in, in biblical terms uh, means that, that, that you put your trust in. So when we talk about a believer of Jesus Christ, we're talking about one who has put their trust in Jesus Christ. Um, that, that word uh, in, in, the, in the New Testament alone, believe, is used almost 250 times. I say almost because it's used 249 times in the New Testament. So if you're just doing kind of, if you're one of those brainiac guys and you're doing, or gals and you're doing that, that you know, trying to calculate all this, that, that's a lot. 250 times it is, it is uh, mentioned uh, about belief or believing in the New Testament alone. Turn with me to, to one of those in John chapter 1, because I, I think that one of the, uh, the, the, the big picture items that, that, that happens or the, the big controversies that, that people like to uh, throw in the, the face of the church or a Bible-believing church 
is that, well, everybody, you know, everybody's God's children. Well, there's only one problem with that. Can anybody tell me what that is? The Bible, right, because the Bible does not say that. And remember, the Bible is the ultimate source of truth, not Facebook, not your, your, um, uh, your aunt, your uncle, your grandma. I mean, I, and that's not diminishing any of them. But what we need to understand is the Bible is the ultimate source of truth. And the Bible says that not, that not everyone is a child of God. Like everybody thinks, well, we're all born and we're all ch- children of God and we're all going to go to heaven. It's not what it says. John chapter 1, and hear me when I say this, I don't like take pride in this, and I'm not like trying to elevate anybody above anybody else. What I'm saying is this is just the truth. It says in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, but to all who did receive him, talking about Jesus here, who believed in his name, put faith and trust in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So think about that. If everyone was a child of God, how can they have the right to become a child of God, right? Logically speaking, I know I'm I'm confident y'all are on the same page here. That we understand that not everyone's a child of God. But here it says that those who um, that, that received him and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become a children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So a believer in Jesus Christ is one who has been born of God. If you are like myself and grew up in um, especially the Baptist church, you understand, or you've heard the terminology of born again, right? To be a believer in Jesus Christ, one must be born again. I think that over the years, that term, even though it is a glorious term, has been drugged through the mud too much. What we need to do is we need to bring that back to life to understand that there is a lot of power with inside that. Because what has happened, um, or what Jesus says about it, is, is um, life-altering. Flip the page over. John chapter 3, verse 3. Some of you, it might be on, if you're like me, it's like right on the, the, the both pages there. Jesus says, and he's talking to uh, Nicodemus, who was a really religious guy. He was one of the most religious guys of the time. He went to church all the time. He knew his Bible in and out. And he says, Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And of course, Nicodemus is like, what do you mean? How can I enter my mother's womb again and be born again? And Jesus explains, no, this is not uh, physically born again. This is in um, the, the, the awesomeness of this word, born again, actually means born from above. If you are not born from above, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Now, is this making that uh, heaven is exclusive only for some people? Yeah, kind of, I guess you could say that. What what, what he's saying is, to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Those who cannot see the kingdom of God are those who are not born again. So is there there any exclusivity in there? I don't know. It depends on how you want to understand that. I think what is clearly understood is, if you're not born again, you don't go to heaven. All right? Who can be born again? What did that passage in John 1 say? All who receive him. Right? 
All who receive him and believe in his name. So well, who can and who can't? That's not up to us. It's up to us to you know, tell the message and let people receive. So we overpopulate heaven, right? This is where the Baptist church goes, amen? Amen, right? Okay. So John, or, or, uh, Jesus here in, in John is saying, unless one is born from above, one cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So when we're looking at this, we can understand that a believer in Jesus Christ is one who is born again. One who has been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. There's been a, a, a shift in, in uh, status, a shift in citizenship. So when we start and we ask this question of, of where does discipleship begin? It, it begins with the believer in Jesus Christ. How do we do this? Well, you know, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how this happens. You all know that. But it's, it, we have to understand and we need this confidence to, to, to live in this. So a disciple of Jesus Christ, or the definition of a disciple of Jesus Christ, is a believer of Jesus Christ, Hey, we're going to hit the next one, whose life is changed. Pause there for a second. Whose life is changed. Where we get the word for uh, changed is also a, a word that's used in, in Scripture of transformed. And that word comes from, it comes from the Greek word metamorpho. Where do we get, what does that sound like? Metamorphosis, right? So what we need to do is understand that, that, that a disciple of Jesus Christ is one who, who's, who's, or is a believer of Christ whose life has changed. It was something, and now it's something else. But it doesn't just stop there, but we'll get, I don't want to get ahead of myself. What we need to, to, to focus on is uh, passages like Romans 12. Romans 12, uh, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's a, that metamorpho. So we understand that this is that, that changing, this transformation has taken place. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Too often, I know that you have had those encounters with those people that have said, I'm a Christian, and their, their life is the same as it's always been. They're still mean and ugly, well, ugly in a, like a, not physically ugly, because, I mean, Jesus can't help physically ugly for some of us. Um, it was funny. Some of you are like, what is it? Are you talking about me? No, I'm not talking about you. So, but the, the, the change that has to take place, what we have is we have too many people that claim, they wave, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but their life doesn't show that. A, a, a believer of Jesus Christ whose life is changed, there is, there is something different. Not you're just weird, because there's a lot of weird people who are not Christians. It's not a, a, a weirdness, it's a, it's a transformation that, that, that takes place. Um. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 
verse 17 in 18. It says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 18 says, And we all, he's talking to the church here, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being, here's our word, transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being transformed. We are being changed from one degree of glory to another. And then to another. And then to another. What we understand, and I will be, I'll stand both feet on this. I will die on this hill. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ and be unchanged. You cannot have an encounter with the almighty God, the creator of the universe, and not be different because of it. Now, some people have different, like they're changed in different ways. I, I, I get that. But you cannot, honestly, and you shouldn't you should be uneasy if you're saying to yourself, well, I can. You cannot. So you're telling me you stand in front of God himself and he's sitting on his throne. You have this encounter with him and you go away the same way in which you came to him. It doesn't happen. It's impossible to happen. Why do I stress this? Again, because I think too many people, they say, yeah, I've done that. Well, they, they have knowledge of God. They may, but they don't have that, that trust of God in God. So when, we, we're, we're, when we're working on this and we're understanding what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it goes beyond just knowing about God. It's trusting in him, but our lives are changed because of that. We talked about last week about those, the disciples that when they hit a hard spot, they said, deuces, I'm out. They went the other way. I think that the reason here, what we understand is if you don't change, you won't follow for long. If you are not transformed by the almighty God, what's going to happen is when controversy or adversity or whatever faces you, you're going to throw the white flag and you're going to run the other way. Well, then what's going to happen is you're going to, oh, wait a second, no, I need to go back here and I'm going to, well, here, here's the deal. Is that transformation something like you're going to stand there like with a bulletproof, you know, big S on your chest? Oh, give me bullets. No. You're going to stand there and say, well, there's this, he's in front of me. I'm, I'm, I'm hot. Yeah. Is Jesus our crutch? Yeah, you better believe it. He's my shield, too. I stand behind him. Well, we, ha we have to have this understanding. We have to know that, okay, since I'm standing behind him, I'm going to do different things. My life is going to change. Jesus says, you know, to his own disciples, they'll know that you're my disciples by what? By the way in which you love one another, right? He also says they'll know you're my disciples by the fruit in which you bear. Understand that there has to be a change that, 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 that takes place. And if there's not a change that takes place, what I want you to do is what Paul tells you to do. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Meaning, okay, wait a second. Am I, am, am I truly born again or do I just know about God? Do I know about God or do I have a relationship with him? Which leads us into this, this next 
our, our, our next one. Because as we look into the, as we look at a, a believer of Jesus Christ whose life is changed, it's changed by something. It's changed by following. All right? It's changed by following Christ and his commands. I just gave you the last two. But it's important because here's the deal. How has my life changed? It's changed by following. And when, what we have to understand is that change, this transformation, it means leaving something behind. Think about it. We, we, we think about the, the, um, uh, the, the monarch butterfly, right? That's what we were probably thinking of when we were thinking about uh, the, the transformation, metamorphosis. We, we we're thinking about that. Starts out an ugly, an ugly looking worm, right? Goes in that little, what they call them, chrysalis? Yeah. There's chrysalis, and then it, it emerges this beautiful butterfly. Can that butterfly go back to being the worm? No, the butterfly cannot go back to being the worm. Change is leaving something behind. They've left the worm behind. In the same sense, what we need to understand is when we are changed, it will require you to leave something behind. And like Dan so eloquently put this morning, like one of those things that we need to leave behind is the, the sin and the burdens that are weighing us down. Does that mean if you have sin or, or if you have burdens right now that you're not a Christian? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is there, there are things that are apparent in your life that you need to leave behind. Because when it says that, that, that a, a, um, a believer of Jesus Christ is, whose life is changed by following Christ... That changedness, I know that's probably not a word, whatever, but that changedness is by following. And if I continue to follow, I'm continually being changed. And I'm following, and I'm being changed. And I'm following, and I'm being changed. It's a continual action. What we have to then kind of just resonate with is when Jesus calls some of his disciples... And when I say some of his disciples, he called all of his disciples. But there's a couple of different accounts that we have um, in just Luke alone. In, in Luke 11, or I'm sorry, in Luke 5, 11, and in 5, 28, he, he refers to when he calls his uh, disciples that they left everything and followed him. Or in 28, it says in leaving everything, they rose and followed him. There are things that we have to leave behind. To follow after Christ. <sighs> there are people, and I know this sounds mean, but there are people we have to leave behind to follow Christ. That doesn't mean that we don't pray for them, and that doesn't mean that we don't um, try to, or, and we don't share the good news with them. No, that means that we're not no longer tied to them. Where that's our identity. No, we're cutting that cord and we're following Christ. If they want to jump on and follow Christ too, praise Jesus. But what we need to understand is we're not bound to them. And it might not be a them, it might be a, a something. With this, this thought of leaving something behind, I think that the Apostle Paul gives us a really good picture of this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. 
He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He's talking about this, this same thing that we're talking about, being and making disciples. He's talking about the, the glory of God. He, he says here, that I, I haven't already obtained this. If the dude that wrote 13 books of the, of the, the, the New Testament of the Bible says, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't got there yet. I think it's okay where we're at, some of us, right? Anybody in here write the Bible? No, you're allowed to write in your Bible. That doesn't mean that you wrote the Bible, right? So the Apostle Paul's like, not that I've already obtained this, but you know what? I'm pressing on because, um, you know what? He's made me his own. He goes on to say, brothers, I do not consider that I have uh, made it my own, but one thing I do forget, or I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So when we leave things behind, and this is that when we, when we are following after Christ and we leave things behind, we don't need to keep looking around back and trying to grab what it is that we're leaving behind. Because if you read before in, in Philippians chapter 3, you'll see that the things in which Paul left behind were actually righteous things in their mindset, very religious things. He says, no, I'm leaving, I'm leaving everything behind and my eyes are on Christ. I'm following after him. So as we're looking at this, and, and again, it's following Christ, changed by following Christ. Um, another really cool statistic, it's for you, Jeremiah. Um, 22 times Jesus says or references following him. In the Gospels alone. 22 times he says, follow me. Do you think it's important? I would say so. Follow me. Follow me. One of my favorite is when he says it in Mark 1, verse 17. He says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. I love this because that kind of ties back to that changed part. What we have to understand is it's not us that does the changing or the transformation. God does the transformation and the changing in us and through us because he said, follow me and, I love that, so it's a a contingency statement, right? So it's it's a a cause and effect. Follow me, okay, this is what you have to do, and, okay, this is what's going to happen. I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Understanding that, okay, how your life is changed, how my life is changed is following after Jesus Christ. But it's not just following him as if he's standing here and he's walking and I'm walking right behind him. Because as Jesus is walking and I'm walking right behind him, he's saying stuff to me. Hey, watch out for that pothole. Hey, watch out for that pile of sticks. Come on now. He's saying, watch out. So I've got to not only follow him and fall after him, I've got to listen to and obey his commands. Following implies movement. When Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't say, okay, sit there and do nothing. Following implies movement. What does it mean by his commands? Well, there are, are there many commands? Yeah, there, Jesus commanded a whole lot. God has given us commands from the beginning all the way to the end of the Bible. 
knowing those commands is how you're going to follow those commands. I, I just picked out two, two passages of Scripture because I think that if we can follow, just start with, not saying we don't have to follow all the rest of them, but if we could just start with just these two passages of Scripture, we're going to see change, even greater than you already have. First one, Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Jesus says in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, when asked, you know, which one's the greatest commandment? He says, the most important is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is, Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Just trying to do that one is going is to take up a lot of our time, a lot of our focus, which is a good thing. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other, no other commandment greater than these. So if we're going to look at it, if we're going to say, okay, a believer or a disciple of Jesus Christ is a believer of Jesus Christ whose life is changed by following Christ and his commands, we can't be ignorant and say, well, I don't know what the commands are. Okay, fine. We, do we know all of the commands? No, we don't know all the commands. Even when I make up little lists, and I know I did this a few months ago, maybe it was last year sometime, clear commands of Christ. I know I made it up because I would, you know, CCC, right? So even if we have lists like this, we're still, this is not exhaustive. What we need to understand is that if we're going to be changed and we're going to follow these commands, we need to know them and do them, right? So simple. I like simplicity. That's why I gave you this first text. What's that? Love, love God? Love people. You might have heard that before. Maybe once or twice, right? Love God and love people. So your life is going to be transformed. It's going to be changed as a believer in Jesus Christ when you're following Christ and his commands, when you're loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength here, right? And you're loving people. Is it going to be difficult? You better believe it. People are mean <laughs> they can't. If you're saying, no, people are pretty nice, well, then you're, you might be the mean one, right? <laughs> That's why you sit alone at, at, at lunch in your, your, uh, the, the lunchroom. You know? <laughs> Come on, Wayne. <laughs> love God, love people. The second is this the second command that, that I think that we can just focus on, it's actually two, but second scripture passage here is Mark 1, 15. Because I'm convinced, 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 if we could do these two passages, if we could really focus in on doing these better, loving God, loving people, and then doing this, 115, Mark 1, 15 says, uh, the time is fulfilled. So Jesus is talking here. He says, the time is fulfilled, fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. So if we were to love God, love people, repent, and believe in the gospel, transformation, I guarantee, is going to blow your mind. Because believing or repenting is, okay, identifying sin and turning away from sin, turning to God, 
But believing in the gospel is remembering that whatever it is you're encountering, Christ has already overcome that. That's what we have to the truth that we need to uh, be telling and we need to be preaching to ourselves every single day. Yeah, the devil's going to say, you're just a nasty sinner. No, 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 no. I'm a child of God. He's overcome that. That's not who I am anymore. I'm his heir. So when, if we're going to say, okay, what commands of Christ am I going to start with? Start with these four. Start with these four. And when we start with these four, I mean, God's going to do amazing things in your life. If you're thinking, man, I'm just an ugly worm. Yeah, so was a monarch butterfly at one point. But he transformed, he transformed into this beautiful thing. You can be transformed. I can be transformed into something even more glorious. One degree of glory to the next, to the next. So when we are talking about what a disciple of Jesus Christ is from this point forward in our church, we're going to be talking about the same thing. A believer of Jesus Christ whose life is changed by following Christ and his commands following Christ and his commands. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We love you. God, we ask as uh, we um, just end this time together and we're going to just enter into a time where um, if somebody needs to to come and even further unburden themselves, they they can do that. Uh, We will open this up here and we'll have the the elders, your elders of your church here to pray with uh, your people. Um, God, my my prayer is that uh, we don't just think that I've got to have a major problem to come get prayer, but what we can we can come and say, hey, I just need prayer. You know, I stubbed my toe. I need prayer. Whatever it may be, having a bad day. I need prayer. Had a bad week. I need prayer. Father God in heaven, we 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 surrender everything to you. We turn it all over to you. Uh, God, we give you the glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus.